the narrow road But I've been with you all along This race that you're running Was not given to the strong I know sometimes you're worried And faith is hard to find Hey, Larry here, Acts 29 today. I'm with you when you're Coming to you from Sunny World Headquarters in Chiang Mai, Thailand. <clears throat> like to thank all my listeners here in Thailand and around the world to this edition where you don't have to wait for five minutes or three minutes, or even two minutes. Because Acts 29 today starts right now. So, uh, good to be, good to be back with you here. Got to get through a lot of stuff today, so I'm going to, uh, Gonna get right on it. Today I'm gonna be talking about uh, salt and light. And uh, I was always interested in uh, this thing about salt and and losing its flavor or savor, you know. And uh, so some time ago I was wondering, well, how does salt lose its saltiness? So I did some research, and then I recently did some more research into this subject. So there's just some some thoughts and things I found out. Because we basically think that salt is a flavoring or a preservative, and it is. But uh, Luke 24, or Luke 14, sorry, 34 and 35 says salt is good an excellent thing but if salt has lost its strength or its savor and has become saltless insipid and flat how shall its saltiness be restored it is fit neither for the land nor for the manure heap men throw it away and it's trodden underfoot he who has ears to hear, let him listen and consider and comprehend by hearing. So, a couple interesting things here uh, that I never really thought about before. But, you know, back in the old days, the ancient days, uh, they gathered salt from the Dead Sea because it's 28% salt content. And so on the shores, you know, there's this salt just piled up. And <clears throat> I had <clears throat> I had a chance to go to uh, to go to Israel in the middle '90s uh, on a mission trip. It wasn't a sightseeing trip because I I really never had any desire to go there for a sightseeing trip because it's that land was only holy when Jesus was there and it's never been holy since nor is it now 
you go there and you'll understand. But that's for another day. Uh, so we were at the Dead Sea and we went out and just floated in it, you know, because there was so much salt. You couldn't sink. You just lay on your back, your head, your feet, arms out of the water, and you're just floating there like you're on an air mattress. It was amazing. But there was, you know, big piles of this salt up on the on the beach. And so back in those days, salt was mainly used for a fertilizer to grow plants and crops. And because this salt has all of the ingredients uh, that it takes for crops to grow good, and one of the main ingredients is potash. Potash is in all the fertilizers that they use on crops. And I used to live in a place in the States that produced potash, and I didn't even know what it was. And and then I found out, you know, somebody said, well, it's potash. And I said, well, what's potash? And they said, well, they use it in fertilizer. And they were hauling this stuff out truckload after truckload seven days a week. And then, you know, some in the ancient days was used for seasoning food also. So when Jesus was talking about uh, the land, he was talking about the soil as fertilizer to make good things grow. Or for the dunghill was to stop bad things from spreading. And he was this wasn't animal dung, this was human dung. Because back then they just had a hole in the ground <clears throat> and then by the hole they had a bowl of salt. So when they eliminated their waste, they would grab a handful of salt and throw in the hole to uh, keep, you know, bad things from, from growing. So the salt had to come in contact with the soil to keep, to make good things grow. And it also had to come in contact with the other to stop the bad things from growing. So, Jesus said that we were salt and light. So by being the church and being different from the world, our presence can cause good things to grow and bad things to stop growing. And they found out in some studies that social trends begin to change with just 5% salt or believers uh, in a group of people. Just 5% and things start to change for the better. But salt in the box or the building is of no value as it has to be in direct contact with the dirt. So let's imagine for a moment that some mega building with 20 or 30,000 salt people, let's imagine for a moment that they uh, that instead of sitting in the box, even just on Sunday morning, if they went out into direct contact with the dirt, the people of the world, for a few hours and being the church instead of 
being entertained at worst or getting very watered down teaching at best, what if they went out in the fields white unto harvest and helped the people financially, spiritually, clothing, encouragement? Uh, the transition from being a student and learning to being is in the action. Okay, it's in the doing. So just imagine if that happened in a city the size of Houston. Uh, probably make headline news. So salt must be salty, and if it's lost its saltiness, the taste and the flavor, its ability to be what it is, then what is it? It's not good for anything. So the way salt loses its saltiness <clears throat> is with, with the addition of any other substance. Mixture. It's called mixture. That's why Jesus hated the Nicolaitans the way they did things because they brought mixture into the church. They, they had the church plus and then they added all this other stuff. It was mixture. So when you get other stuff mixed in with it, false doctrines and so on, uh, the salt loses its savor, its ability to be salt. <clears throat> so the clever salt dealers back in those days would scrape up some sand along with the salt. Uh, and so then they'd be selling some salt, but some sand for the same price. So when the people at home found out that it was mixed, there was only one thing they could do, and that was throw it out in the street to be trodden underfoot of men. So believers, ecclesia, the called out ones, the salt, will only influence the world, the dirt, if they are different from it. So the salt that is available in the world today, for the most part, is losing its savor, its flavor, at an alarming rate because of humanistic secularism, the pressure to conform to the world's ways and compromise are enormous. Uh, you know, the pressure is, is that as believers, we have to bow to the world's ways or we will lose them. You know, we'll lose the people coming to the building on Sundays if we don't have a rock band and a light show and, you know, all the stuff that the world likes to, to see and do, uh, I'm afraid they're going to lose the people. So if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? How can salt be made salt again if it loses its saltiness? Well, it can't. You can't make it salt again. Once it, once it loses it, it loses it. So once the salt 
has lost its reputation, its integrity, its trust, its faithfulness, it has never gotten back again, at least to the same level as before. And of course, we have seen this, you know, in the church in, in many ways, you know, big, big name people, you know, they get caught up in all kinds of uh, fraud and sexual sin and all kinds of stuff and they lose their saltiness. And then you usually don't hear much about them anymore. Or if it is, it's on a way reduced level. So, you know, he talks a lot about this salt uh, attitude in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, you know, and all this stuff is the opposite of the world. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, but the world is self-confident, stand up for yourself, proud, arrogant. I can do this. Blessed are the weak. Quality of heart to accept without resistance the will of God. And the world scoffs and laughs at this behavior. Uh, Timothy... Timothy 14... But which Timothy, right? <laughs> First Timothy? Doesn't have a 14. This is live, uncut, raw, unedited. So, I'm not sure what that scripture reference is there, but... Um, so anyway, and then there's the merciful... Uh, and in a competitive world, uh, the merciful don't seem to get very far. Pure in heart, unmixed in motives. What's the world think about that? Persecuted, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people say all manner of bad things against you, because they don't believe you're doing it for the right reasons and motives. They just can't believe that you know, you would give the right change to people, that you wouldn't keep uh, $10 that was on accident. So to be salt will be difficult, and it will not pay in this world. But thank God your reward is in heaven. So it's going to take faith to endure to the end. So then we move on a little bit to uh, light. Jesus said he was the light of the world. And he said that we were salt and light also. So in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure or a bushel, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that may, they may see your moral excellence, your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this light shows people the bad ways, and that's not popular. They don't, they don't like that. It also shows a better way. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and you are too. So this was also in the context of the woman uh, caught in adultery. <laughs> Notice they brought the woman. She, she was caught in adultery, <laughs> but the man wasn't. <clears throat> so it's amazing how they, uh, they brought the woman, but <laughs> the, the man wasn't involved. So they brought, you know, they were trying to trap Jesus. And so the law said, you know, well, you got a stoner. But the law of Rome forbid the Jews to execute anyone. So uh, so they tried to get Jesus between this, uh, this rock and a, and a hard place. So then you got more of these uh, blessed are the weak. Uh, these beatitudes that are the opposite from the world. So they were they were trying to get Jesus caught in between this this law of Moses and the law of Rome. And so they trapped him in between. So what did Jesus do? He he writes with his finger in the dust. And of course, there's a lot of controversial stuff about, you know, and everything was about, well, what did he write? You know, well, it, it wasn't even so much about what he wrote. It was that he wrote with his finger. Because to a Jew in that day, writing with his finger in the ground meant that I am God. I wrote with my finger on the stones, the Ten Commandments. And there's also a verse in, in uh, Luke uh, where he's talking to the Pharisees. They said he was casting out demons by the power of demons. And he's, he mentioned that, he, that a house divided couldn't stand. And so he says, if I'm casting out these demons by the finger of God, the finger of God. So when he wrote on the ground with his finger, to the Jews in those days, he was saying, I am God. And then he used their own law because in the law of Moses, it also says that nobody can be a witness against anyone if they have committed the same crime. So if you have never committed adultery, then you can be a witness against the woman in this case. So... Knowing this, uh, they began with the oldest because they obviously had more time to commit more, more sin. They went out even all the way down to the youngest 
because of the conviction of the truth. So Jesus was left alone with a woman. And the witnesses that were uh, the one to stone her were dismissed on the basis of their own law. Because there had to be two or three witnesses. And so now he asked the woman, where, where are the witnesses? And she looked up and said, there's no one. And Jesus said, well, neither do I condemn you, but don't keep doing this uh, because I might not be around to protect you the next time. You see, Jesus is always going to be your best lawyer. Always. So he used their very law because he knew it better than they did. <laughs> then he said in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So if the woman had been following Jesus and walking in the light, she would not have gotten into the moral darkness in the first place. So believers are to be seen shining as having a higher standard of living, not in material ways, but in moral ways. Not so much just doing good, but it's in the being good. Going to church will not change the world. Only being the church will change the world. So Jesus raised the moral standard higher than anyone in human history in the Sermon on the Mount. And when men see that, and they see that you live what is only possible through the power of the supernatural God, they will honor your Father in heaven. Now, one of the big uh, number one sins from the Sermon on the Mount is worry. It is forbidden. When you worry, it's it really says that God cares more for his pets, his animals, and his garden, nature, than for you. And it's natural to worry, but it's supernatural not to. See what a statement it would be if people said, why is it that believers are never worried? This is light in the world. You of all people, believers, the ecclesia, the called out ones, never worry. Why? Because you don't have to. Because the world's going to get worse and worse. And yet God will see to it, I will have everything I need. Jesus gave a high moral standard, then lifted the believers up to that standard by his grace and power. But what the church is doing in these days, for the most part, is lowering the standard to meet the people. And that's not light, because light is going to be terribly unpopular. Jesus said, because I am the light of the world, 
you hate me and want to kill me. Standing for the truth will cost you dearly. Salt and light only works when it comes in direct contact with the dirt and the darkness. A quality of salt and light that is different. Well, that is uh, just a few thoughts about salt and light that I uh, researched and learned some things about, some things I didn't know about it. And uh, so I just wanted to share those, uh, those few things with you and uh, hope that you got something, something out of it. And we will uh, catch you again. So this is Larry, Acts 29 today. Saying, see you later from beautiful sunshine, my Thailand. So God bless you. And I will catch you next time. Then the glory of the Lord is filling this place.